Uh, I want you to see, and everybody, you may or may not be able to see um, what this is, but it's uh, $4 worth of stamps. $4 worth of stamps. Um, I received a letter yesterday um, from a girl who is in uh, jail with my daughter. And um, Sheila, I took pictures of the letter and texted it to Sheila so that she could read the letter. And a little while later, she texted me back and said, this little girl's from Quinwood, and she's friends with Dave Beavers on Facebook. So um, I thought, wow, that just made it a little more special. But um, if I can get... Through this, I want you to listen. It says, Dear Pastor Farley, hello. My name is Jessica Walton. I am in RSAT, that is a uh, residential substance abuse treatment program that Talia is in, in Logan, West Virginia. I am in a RSAT with a ray of sunshine named Talia. I think you may know her. Let me say, she is truly God-sent. She is amazing in so many ways. She is humble and encouraging, passionate, loving, and I could go on for days, but I'm sure you know how great she is. She is always answering any questions I have about the Bible and helping me in my journey to get my relationship with God on the right track. I've been in jail since December and my relationship with God has grown so much. I'm reading the Bible every day. I have so much more of an understanding now of the Bible, just a knowledge I never had before. I am so grateful to have had this time out from the world to work on me and God. I've been struggling with my drug addiction for about 13 years. This nine months is the longest amount of time I've been clean in those 13 years, and with being in jail without the stress of the outside world, my relationship with God has built my faith tremendously. I am working hard to be obedient. I recently started being paid for this program, and since I can't send money, I am sending $4 in stamps. I know it's not a lot, but hopefully it's helpful. I plan on sending you this monthly, if this is okay, for my tithe. If I should do something different, please let me know. I am very excited about new life with God. I look forward to meeting you and attending church, so thank you for helping me. God bless you, Jessica Walton. It's just amazing. The goodness of God. And $4 in stamps may not seem like a lot to you, It's obedience to God in the heart of someone that is so critical. And we take our privileges that we have 
so lightly. We're so blessed. We're so touched in so many ways that we just don't follow through. And, uh, you know, as a daddy, this is just a wonderful thing to think that in the midst of turmoil and struggle and, and you know, I, I realize you may get tired of, um, you know, hearing, but I, I don't know what to say. I didn't debate whether I should read that or not read it, but uh, it, it just touched me in a way that uh, multiple things I could say, it's, but it just, it just touched me in a very special way. Okay? Is that all right? Well, I need a minute to uh, be able to see my notes, so stand up and greet somebody around you real quick. Will you do that, please? I know there's no music, but you can still speak and hug and talk. may be seated. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to Matthew chapter 5. This is the third part in a series that uh, we're calling Life's Healing Choices. And... Um, you know, some of us, most of us, if we're honest, have experienced a lot of hurt and pain in our lives. We've gone through things that are hurtful, that are painful. And, uh, you know, a lot of church people are pretty good at covering up some of their hurt, some of their pain, some of their things. We get into a place at times where we don't want others to see. And, uh, you know, we try to hide our pain and we try to hide our hurt from others and, uh you know, week one of this series, we dealt with what was called the reality choice. This is eight choices we're looking at from uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, one of the greatest sermons ever, pre ever preached and, and a sermon that Jesus preached. And uh, week one, we looked at, at uh, we called it the reality, reality choice, and we talked about the fact that you need to realize you're not God. And you have to admit that you're powerless to control uh, your tendency to do wrong. The Apostle Paul made it clear when he said, When I wanted to do good, evil was present. And in my own strength, I couldn't change. I had to depend upon the Lord. Um, and, and you can't always manage your life yourself. A lot of people feel like they do pretty good and they've got it together. But uh, for some of us, it's a pretty big deal. And we realize we need God. I need God every day of my life. I, I find areas of my life that get exposed that I... And powerless to change, but God's able to change for me. 
And week two, we looked at the hope choice. The first week was the reality choice. The second week was the hope choice. And uh, in the hope choice, we, we needed to earnestly believe that God exists. We need to understand that we matter to Him, we're important to Him, and that He has the power to change me. That's what gives us hope, and that's where hope comes from, is realizing that I may not be able to change myself, but when I surrender my life to God... I have hope that he can bring the change that is necessary. Sometimes we need things changed that we don't think needs changed. We need things that we don't understand until we get into a situation or a circumstance where we are powerless to do something, and then we see what he can do with our lives. So the summary of these first two points, the first two weeks before I get in today, is basically I'm saying I'm not God, I don't have the power to change myself, but there is a God who's crazy about us, who loves us, who cares about us, and who's wooing us into a deeper relationship, a more meaningful relationship with Him, who wants to see me change. Do you realize God wants to help you change and become everything that He has purposed you to become? And by the way, that's good news. It's good news that He wants to change us, okay? So today we're going to look at our third choice, which is a very critical choice, and I hope I can present this in a way that you will understand it, but it's called the commitment choice. Just say that with me, the commitment choice. What we're going to talk about today is to consciously choose to commit all of my life, all of my will to Christ's care and to His control. And um, again, Jesus made eight statements when he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we call those the Beatitudes. They are talked about in different ways. But there are uh, eight blessed statements that he talks about. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, he gives us the one that we're going to look at today. And it simply says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'm going to make this statement, and I want you to hear me so that I can set you up to hear me out. A lot of us in here don't really understand meekness, being meek. We, um, when I know I'm teaching something, I'm prepared, I will talk to people and ask a question to get a response to try to help me to understand. And so uh, uh, when I've said to a few people, I'm teaching on meekness, what does meekness mean? I've got a variety of answers. And, you know, it's amazing. None of the people that I ask, am I going to use any of their answers? I um, recognize that, you know, growing up playing sports, and doing a variety of things that, you know, um, men especially grow up playing sports. And, you know, I never one time had a coach look at me and say, I want you to go in the game and I want you to go out there and be gentle as a dove. I want you to just meekly go out there and humble yourself in front of all of the players and just Never one time. 
Um, when you talk about meekness to a lot of people, I, I've, I've discovered that sometimes it rubs us the wrong way. It makes us, when we say meek, what do you, what do you mean? What are you saying? But, you know, I, I don't know any other word to say it, but Jesus preaching his sermon when he said, blessed are the meek, and if you study the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and read all of the red letters in your uh, a Bible and you follow Jesus, meekness is really not optional if you're going to walk with the Lord. Meekness is not something that he uh, is going to let you buy not being and not understanding. So um, if you're a follower of Jesus, meekness is something you need to understand. Now the word meek, M-E-E-K in the Greek is the word P-R-A. E-I-S. And on the surface, here's what it can mean. And if you look it up, most of the dictionaries you look at, and it's going to say it can mean mild or humble. Mild or humble. Now, if you just stay on the surface of the word, and you look at that word, and you, you, you take it in its context, and you all have all heard me say this many times, a lot of times the problem is not the word in the original language, the problem is what we do with words in the English language. And I know I've said this numerous times, but we say love, and, and, and in America we don't really understand agape and, and love. They're, they're not the same word. We say love, uh, you know, I say I love God, and then I say I love popcorn. That's not the same kind of love. It's not the same thing in any way. And so when we, when we talk about being meek, and we talk about how Americans see meekness and and we, we look at it in our dictionaries and we talk about being mild or humble. But if, if, you, if you just look at on the surface, we begin to stereotype Christians. Um, and we see Christians as being mild, as being humble, kind of weak. We see them as kind of spineless. We see them as wimpy. We have all of these, uh, you know, they wear double-knit suits. And clap their hands in a special way. Y'all understand? I shouldn't be critical, should I? But there's a deeper meaning to this word. And today, I want us to get it. Say, get it. The deeper meaning to this word is something like this. If I can kind of illustrate it to you. And that is... A wild stallion is natural wild spirit has to be broken by a trainer. You know, years ago when I was young, one of the things that we did was we, we, we had horses. And, and Sheila was raised having horses. And one of the first things we did together was horses. And I went to the um, Proctorville Fairgrounds, Lawrence County Fairgrounds, and there was a horse in there that... that uh, um, was about knee deep in, in its own uh, feces and, and the hair was off the bottom of its legs and I, I got to looking around because I wanted to buy this. I said, why do you want to buy this horse? I said, I don't like the way this is at. And I have access to a, a, a farm that my boss has and I'd like to take this horse up there. And they said, well, you know, you can't. that horse will bite you, that horse will kick you. You'll, you'll never be able to do anything with that horse. That horse has been mistreated. That horse has been abused. That horse has been through so much stuff, you're never going to be able to, to, to do that. Well, it took me several weeks, but every day I would go to the fairgrounds and I would take treats and I would go over there and I would feed that horse every day. 
I asked for permission to clean the stall out, and it was a hard deal because when you tried to get in, that horse would try to kick you. That horse would not want you in, but I, I eventually got uh, enough attention with the horse to get him out, and I cleaned the entire stall out, and then a few weeks later, I was in a position to buy the horse, and the horse had a lot of problems. It was an Appaloosa. It was uh, a, a broodmare. It was, it was, it was feisty. It, 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 just, it just didn't want you to be on it. When you tried to put a saddle on the thing it would it would be there and it would cow kick you you know what I'm saying it would do like that it would kick you when you'd try to stand at its side when you tried to get on that thing that thing would start bucking and I got bucked off of that horse many times but every time he bucked me off I would get in my pocket and give him treats every time I'd give him treats I'd be good to him I'd hug him I'd be nice to him eventually I was able to ride this horse anywhere I wanted to go. Nobody else could. But he would let me ride him. I could walk around him. He wouldn't kick me. I could put the saddle on him. He wouldn't cow kick me. This horse and I became great friends. He had a strength. Now listen to me. I'm talking about meekness. And I want you to hear what I'm trying to say. A wild stallion has to be broken by a trainer. Why? So he can be useful. I don't have any idea what people who really break horses that years ago ran in the wild. I've seen movies about that and watched uh, old films about those kinds of things. But so if you could imagine in your mind a stallion that has, that's an incredible horse that can run like the wind. You know, it just is a beautiful thing. It's running like the wind. It's hair going. That same stallion can pull a plow. I can remember as a little boy walking with my grandfather who had old Jack was the, the horse that he plowed with and he would have a reins on that and he would put that rein over his shoulder and then he would hold on to the plow and Jack was the strongest thing. I could watch that uh, 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 horse plow through that and pull that plow through there. He had tremendous strength. I can remember trying to get in front of that plow as a little kid and pull, and I couldn't move it on top of the ground, much less get it buried six inches in the ground and begin to pull it like that horse did. You know, what I'm saying to you is that stallion that's been trained, that stallion that's come into order, that stallion who understands what he is designed and his power being harnessed in a proper way, that's not a picture of weakness. Hear me. A tamed stallion. So the deeper meaning of meek is strength under control. That horse has to humble himself and come under the control of someone else. It is strength under control. Say that with me, would you? Strength under control. That's the meaning of this word meek. It's more than just being nice and gentle and kind. It's 
courage under fire. It's strength. It's conviction with a gentle spirit that comes from God's infusion in your life. I realize that God has a way that He wants to come into our lives and harness all of the things that's going on. This little letter that I read from this girl, what goes on in my daughter's life, what goes on in my life is God wanting to infuse me and come into my life in such a way and harness all of the things in my life that could be out of control, that could run with the wind, that could go any which way, and put it in a place where I can plow through what needs plowed in order to plant the seed of the Word of God in people's lives. Now to me it's a beautiful picture. To me it's a great thing. Meekness in my mind is actually the Spirit of Jesus coming into our lives. That's how I see it. In 1 Peter, the second chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says... For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Everybody say an example. He suffered, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. We don't like reading these kind of verses. We brush through these and kind of pass through. But it says, he suffered as an example to show us we should follow his steps. Watch. Who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Notice the part where it says, he committed himself to him. It's he entrusted himself to God. Meekness has always been God's way for humanity. If Adam would have recognized who God was and understood who he was and stayed under the hand of God as he should have instead of being deceived into thinking he could become God, he would have been a different person. Now, Numbers chapter 12 says that Moses was very meek and it literally says, some translations use the word humble, but it's the word meek and, and, and it, it literally says that Moses was more humble than all the men that were on the face of the earth. When God chose Moses, it was something that God saw in Moses, a meekness that was him. Well, guys, I want us to get this this morning. I need it. I want you to get this this morning. And I want you to hear me say this. With God, meekness wins. With God, meekness wins. It wins. It's what separated Moses from everybody else. And God said, I want That heart that's in Moses, it was meekness. Now you fast forward from Moses clear to the New Testament and you get to the New Testament and you got Jesus 
And Jesus is preaching his sermon on the mount, and he's saying, happy are the meek, blessed are the meek. Uh, uh, He's calling us to live at a different level than everybody else. He's saying, if you want to be happy, you're going to have to understand meekness and what it is. And, and, And here's how meekness works. Here's what you've got to see. Meekness is simply works on this fashion. I acknowledge God's holiness. See, this is about me and God. This is about you and God. Meekness is about an attitude or an attribute that's in you and your relationship with God, how you see God, how God sees you. You've got to understand when he says, happy are the meek, meekness is, I acknowledge God's holiness. Y'all realize God is holy? Now watch. When I look at myself in light of who God is, You understand? I see God. I see Him as holy. I don't see me as holy. But I see Him as holy. And when I look at me in light of who God is, I'm humbled by His righteousness. I'm humbled by His worthiness. I am humbled by His holiness. Meekness is what lets me know who I am in light of who He is. Let me ask you this morning. Do you know who God is? Is God just your Savior? Is God just somebody that you talk to when you need something? Is God just somebody that you go to when you've got a problem? Do you really know who God is? is you listen to people in the world you listen to people out here and what they know they have so many doubts they have so many fears they 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 just don't really understand who God is I I I believe I'm I I believe I want to have an understanding of who God is now because I understand who God is and who I am in light of who he is Meekness also is that I need to understand, and this is the point I want you to get you to today across to you is, do you know whose you are in light of who he is? Catch this. Say meekness. Meekness is knowing who I am. And whose I am in light of who he is. Pastor, aren't you afraid that everything's coming against you? The devil's doing this. All the world's doing this. This is going to come at you. And aren't you worried that you're going to be defeated? No. (laughs) I know whose I am. I know who he is. He's God. And I know whose I am. I'm his. Say that with me. Say, I'm his. Now, you know, I have put my faith in what Jesus did on the cross for the payment of my sins. I am not depending on me for salvation. I am not depending on what I've done. 
I am not depending on how I see things. I am depending totally and completely on what Jesus did for me on the cross. He bore my sin. He didn't just die for me. He dies, died as me. I have died and I am totally putting my faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And because I've done that, I am one of His. I belong to Him. You know why I belong to Him? Not because I'm something special. It's because I put my faith in what He has done for me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Anybody can do that. You can put your faith in what... You, you can quit trusting you and what you got and who you are. Because you understand who He is and what He has done for you. And when you understand who He is, it's meekness for me to understand. See, when I'm depending more on me than I am Him, my confidence is in me. My faith becomes in me. How I see it, how I believe it, how I confess it, how I do it, I can trust in me. But that's not meekness. Meekness realizes I'm going to do what He tells me to do when He tells me to do it, how He says to do it to the best of my ability because I understand that even though I do it, He's the one who did it through me. Are you hearing me? That's the heart of meekness. I got to know who he is. Or I can't know whose I am. Now watch. I'm not just a creation of God. I am a creation of God. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not just a creation of God. I'm a child of God. Look at somebody beside you right now and say, Hello, child of God. Look at somebody and say that. Hello, child of God. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Look, look how this verse starts. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now the rest of that verse has significance, but I, I, I want you to catch this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Let me ask, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? So if you believe that, you are born of God. That means you're a child of God. Now watch, I'm a child of the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm a child of God because I've been born of God. Now, today I'm talking about this third choice, and this is a commitment choice. And here's how meekness fits in this third choice of commitment. If I realize, as we did that first week, every time I think I got my act together, every time I think I got something working, every time I think I got it, and every time I think I've learned it, I realize, you know what? I'm broken. Something in me just don't seem to get it right every time, every situation. I'm broken. I need a Savior. I need a Lord. I need a God. Now, if I humble myself... I can commit. 
if I don't humble myself and recognize I need a Savior, I need a Lord, I need God, I need a Father, if I can't humble myself to recognize I need that, I can't commit my life to Jesus Christ. You know, some of us wonder why we aren't successful in certain things when we've walked with God for a while. But after a while, we get dependent on what we've done and what we're believing and how we're seeing it and what we got instead of depending on who he is. When you were a sinner, you knew you didn't have anything. And it came from him. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about a weakness, but a confident humility that knows who I am. And it also knows whose I am. Today we're talking about a choice. A commitment choice. Am I really committed? You start talking about a commitment choice and you say, oh, I made a choice in 1973 to serve God. I've been a Christian since 1973. I'm not talking about that kind of a choice. I'm not talking about that choice at all. I'm not talking about a choice to make Jesus your Savior. I'm not talking about a choice you made to follow Him or to walk with Him. That's that's really not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you can read a choice, a commitment choice. You can hear a commitment choice. My, My question is, have you made the commitment? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Help me, Lord. Make a commitment. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down. I want you to write this. This really is not a word. It's a statement. I want you to make, write this statement down. It's my decision. Just write that down. It's my decision. And again, I'm not talking about are you a Christian. I'm asking you to choose consciously to commit. That's what I'm going to be talking about, to choose constantly to commit. I've got to choose to commit, stay with me, over and over and over and over. What I'm talking about is a 24-7-365 choices every day that I've got to make. Pastor, what are we choosing 24 7, 365 days? What is meekness? Meekness is am I going to choose my way or God's way? I'm talking about meekness, recognizing who God is, and whose you are. Who do you belong to? Who do you serve? Do I choose my own agenda or God's agenda? Every day, all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 
Is it God's or mine? Let me just talk to you a minute. I'm triggered by different things I see, don't you? Don't you find yourself doing something or behaving in a way that all of a sudden something triggered you to do it? You know, I'm up here, I stand in front of you and I watch you. And I look back over the congregation and sometimes, you know, you see people who are yawning. You see people talking. You see people texting. I got to make a choice when I see those things. Because there's something inside of Stuart Farley that wants to just humiliate the daylights out of you. There's something in me that just catches a moment, and if it's going to get a laugh, I want, I want to do it. Y'all understand that? But then I've got to stop and I've got to think is, is it really about me or him? And if I do what he wants me to do, maybe what I need to do is look somewhere else. Keep my mouth shut. Meekness. Everybody say meekness. You're at work. You're, tick off, you're ticked off at a friend. You're ticked off at a family member. It doesn't matter who it is. You want to send them a mean, nasty email, and you know that when you send this mean, ass, nasty, nasty, listen to that, mean, nasty, it's amazing what you do under the anointing, ain't it? You want to send them this mean, nasty email. You know that what you've got to say will hurt them and straighten them out. What I'm saying is, it's your choice what you do or whether you do it or not. You know, I maybe you all don't have this, but you know, those of you that do Facebook, I, I, I read a lot more Facebook than I post. And there's plenty of posts that I look at that I could straighten them out. <laughs> but I can't take the criticism that's going to come back at me. So the best thing for me to do is, Lord, touch them, show them. I preached on that. They need to get the tape. I know the best thing for me to do if I'm going to be meek is not get into a word problem with somebody in that situation. So here you are. You're at work. you got somebody in your family. They need to be told they did something wrong. you got the right to send an email. Do you or don't? It's your choice. That's what I'm talking about. Today is a choice, a commitment choice. You've got a friend that's hurting you. Or you got a friend that's hurting. They're not hurting you. They're hurting. They're going through something. They're, they're faced with a difficult situation. We've got a person that I mentioned a few weeks ago, a mother that needs to get out of a um, what's the um, drug thing at Athens? Teen Challenge. 
Lady needs to get out of Teen Challenge in Michigan. She needs a place to go. She needs a place to live. She needs a, a, a people she can commit to. She's going to need a job. She can't go somewhere without a place. She's stuck without a family. She's stuck without a lot of things. This girl needs it. Do you help? Do you not help? Do you offer? Do you not offer? What do you do? You got a friend that's hurting. Somebody you know. Somebody you look at. Somebody you want to help who's a friend. You've got some margin in your life where you could. You've got the resources to help. But you know that if you choose to help this person, you know that if you choose to do this for this person, that it's going to take some of your time. And time is so precious to you, you don't know that you want to spend the time or not spend the time to help that person. Do you or do you not help them? It's a choice. Everybody say a choice. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying every day, all the time, you have choices to make. Choices of what you're going to do. Choices of what you're going to say. Somebody invites you to be a part of a small group on a Wednesday night called Life's Healing Choices, and you need to come and sit down with other people and sit in a room with a group of people where some people in there drain you of all your resources. They have problems. They have struggles. You don't have answers, but you go in and you smile at them and you love them and you care for them and you try to encourage them. You try to lift up and you're going to be there and you're going to be committed and you're going to be a part of that group and you know that you can uh, go, but if you go that sometimes you're not in the group you wanted. So-and-so wasn't in the group I wanted. I went and I tried that one time, but the people that was in that group didn't fit my uh, criteria and I didn't you got the choice to make am I going to commit to it again or am I not it's your choice well you know I came it just wasn't well it's your choice what are you going to choose meekness is what I'm talking about am I going to go my road or God's road do I do what I want to do or do I do what God wants me to do? I've been in situations where God asked me to do something I didn't really want to do. Have you? You ever been there? I've had God ask me to do things. I, I don't really know who was involved in that offering this morning, but I realized when I got up here and got at that thing that I pulled my wallet out Instead of my money clip, there was nothing in my wallet but $100 bill. <laughs> and I wasn't going to put it back in and get it out. So you understand, it was just that's how it was. Did God do it or did I do it? Who knows? Who cares? What's it matter? Listen carefully to me. Over and over and over again in your life, you and I have got to make choices. My way or God's way? My way or God's way? In Romans, the sixth chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, 
you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. I believe this verse applies to what I'm asking you. Am I going to choose my road or God's road? My road could be based on some kind of a thing that I think about me. It could be my social economic status. It could be my political persuasion. It could be any kind of thing that is about me. And that could be my thing. But is that really God's decision? And can God get involved with you in the decisions that you make? Are you going your way and the way you've been raised? Are you going to position yourself to be meek and say, I'm going God's way every day, every choice, all of the time? That's the kind of commitment that I'm talking about today is Blessed are the meek. I want you blessed. I want you happy. I want you following God. I have a responsibility to show you a way. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it's not. I've made a lot of choices that I know were wrong choices in my life. I've gone my way many times when I should have gone God's way. So, do I consciously commit all of my life All of my will. What's the first thing I told you to write down? Somebody tell me. My decision. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Everything. Is it my decision to give everything, everything to God? Help me with it. Will I walk authentically and intimately with Jesus? Or am I just going to be a fan of Jesus? It's the word all. Say all. All means everything. Okay, Jesus. Here's a couple of leaves off my tree. Oh, wait a matter of fact, I'll get, here's a branch. Oh, I'll give you a whole limb. Doesn't that make you happy, Lord? I'll give you a whole limb off my tree. And he's saying, I want the tree. I want you. I want your life. I want a commitment to live my life through you. And I can see that some of you are saying, now, Pastor, this is just going a little bit too far. You know, I mean, I I really don't want to commit everything to the Lord. There's a few things in my life that um, i got to hang on to. You're not going to be happy in those areas. You're not going to be blessed in those areas. Because anything, when you commit your life to Him and start following Him, The rules change. Commitment. What do I do? Pastor? Um, why do you think he wants our whole life? Because he'd like to give you a new life. 
a better life. He would like to be involved with you. The reason that that chemical is released when you give is because God has designed things in such a way. He says it's more blessed to give. He knows what's involved in that. He knows when you surrender to Him and begin doing things for Him, how wonderful it is. In Luke chapter 14, verse 33, it says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake... What's that word? That's everything. That he has, everything that he has, all that he has, cannot be my disciple. I believe I'm called to make disciples, go in the world and make disciples of all nations. I'm not talking about being born again. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm just saying if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to build disciples, the word that is used is, are you willing to commit everything to him? Guys, can you hear me say this? Jesus is not a badge you wear. He is someone that I have a relationship with that I choose to commit all my life, all my will to his care and his control. He loves us. He loves me. He loves you. He loves us. That's what his care and his control is about is he cares. Whenever you commit all of your life to the will and the care and the control of Christ, the Spirit of God enters you and fills you with His love and a new desire. Guys, I'm telling you, you don't have to do this thing alone. You just walk in His path. Walk in His path rather than your own path. Get in His thing. He wants... Why? why? Blessed are the meek, happy are the meek, for they shall... What? Inherit the earth. Listen to me. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. Everything in it belongs to Him. In Psalm 24 verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Blessed are the meek, strength under control, for they shall inherit the earth. One of the reasons that you and I have hurts, habits, and hang-ups is because all we really want to do with Jesus is wear a Jesus bag when it, badge when it's convenient for us and we want to stick it on and say, I belong to Jesus. But if somebody is really not uh, where you think they should be or what you want, you, just want, you don't want, you, you'll take your Jesus badge off. We get in situations and circumstances where we don't want to wear a Jesus badge. Pastor, are, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons why you and I are so stuck in our hurt, you know, sometimes when I have my husband badge on and me and Sheila don't see eye to eye, I need to take the husband badge off and put the Jesus badge back on. I'm wondering if I always wear a Jesus badge with my kids. I was listening to somebody talk the other day. You'll talk to your children and to your mate different than you'll talk to anybody else on the planet because you think you don't have to wear your Jesus badge at home. We've got to wear Jesus all the time. You know, 
He's just not first in all of our lives. Now, lesson today's about commitment. I'm just about done. You've got to understand that following Jesus it requires I commit my life to Jesus. It doesn't just mean all the other roles that I play in my life aren't valid. They're all valid. But Jesus is just not an extra. He's everything. He's all in all. I got my dad badge. I'm a dad. Based on the fact that I'm following Jesus, I need Jesus to help me be a dad. I, I need Jesus to help me be a father. I need Jesus to help me be a, a, a mate. I need Jesus to help me be a pastor. I need Jesus to help me be a friend. There are times that I don't know what to do with my friends because of how my friends behave or what they expect, but I need Jesus to help me be a friend. I need Jesus to help me on the job. I need Jesus to help me in the political arena. I need Jesus to help me on the television set. Why? I need Jesus. What do you want me to do, Lord? Help me with this thing. You know, some of us have a friend badge that we wear around our friends, but we take our Jesus badge off around certain friends. I have all kinds of possessions. We have cars. We have homes. We have stuff. But because of Jesus, I know that all of the stuff is temporary. All of the stuff doesn't really matter. Jesus is not a bonus that I have in my life. Jesus is not an extra that I have in my life. Our memory verse for this week in this series, in this lesson, is Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Now, guys, some blessings, some happiness for the meek. Happiness, favor, character transformation. You need to get your stallion tamed. Did you hear me? Your stallion needs tamed. You need to understand that when meekness appears, you don't just walk out and say, I'm meek. Guys, today I'm just doing my best to make disciples. Being his disciple, we are just choosing to grow and to follow him completely. What will it take for you to commit your life to Jesus completely? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Lift up the downtrodden and never, never, never give up. God has called us to equip saints for saints to do the work of the ministry. In faith, a tough week, a tough day, a tough year, a tough season is part of suffering with Him and reigning with Him and being everything that He called us and equipped us to be. We are here to equip saints. We equip them and send them out all over the world. They're here. We come, they come, they go. I do the best I know how to do to keep doing that, and we're going to continue to do that. But you've got to understand, you cannot be defeated if you will be meek. And just getting up and walking out and say, I'm going to be meek from now on, isn't how it happens. You've got to understand who he is and whose you are. And you've got to realize that that person has to be tamed and make choices every day 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Am I going to do the little things that goes down his path, or am I going my way? Stand with me. Father, I thank you for the privilege to serve the greatest people who in the world, people who are committed. Lord, as I look over this congregation, the John and Leanne Montgomery's, as I look, Lord Jesus, over all of the people that you have established and put here, all of the people that you have purposed to do something for you, all around this room, Lord, there are people who are going through struggles and battles and hardships and difficulties. Lord, my prayer is that we can rise to the occasion. That we can be everything that God has purposed and intended us to be. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to serve you. I want everybody in here to look at me and listen to me just a moment. I could speak this to anybody in here, but I could look through here and I, I can talk about different ones, but you know... Anthony, there's people you can touch that I can never, ever reach. Tim, there's people that God puts you in contact with that you have an ability to show Jesus in a decision you make that I'll never be able to do anything about it. Larry, you have contacts. You have people. Every one of us walk in an area and a realm where we have an ability to show Jesus. Every day, Bob, I pray for you more in the last year than ever because I understand the gravity of what we make with decisions that we make and how desperate every one of us need God involved in our simple little day-to-day decisions. Do I hold somebody accountable? Do I forgive? Do I do this? Do I bring that? What do I do? How do I do it? Everywhere you go. Rodney, life and death decisions. Every day. And I'm just asking the question this morning, and I'm just simply saying, the greatest choice you'll ever make in meekness is understanding, is God involved in all my decision process, or do I run around doing what I want to do all the time, and then when I get in the jam, I need to pray. I'm just saying, I need Him. You need Him. Lord, The greatest people on the planet are right here. We have our struggles and we have our battles, but you are with us every step of the way and you don't run from us. You get in hell week with us when we're in the mud flats, wherever we are, when we're facing the sharks of life. You're right there with us. Even in death, you stand with us. So Lord, I'm asking you to just help us to step up. Make the right choice. Be committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just make you aware that Dick Cross's funeral, Roberta Cross's husband passed away. His funeral will be tomorrow. Um, Somebody help me. Pardon? White sulfur. um, 
Wallace and Wallace and White Sulphur, but it starts at what time? The viewing 12 to 2 and the funeral at 2, is that right? Viewing from 12 to 2, the funeral at 2. I love you. <laughs>